Amen. You may be seated. It's so good to be back in Alaska, where it feels like Miami. What's up with all that? Except God knows that a building needs to get built on that hill. Somebody shout amen on that. Amen. Jeannie, stand up. Let everybody see how beautiful you are, my bride of 44 and a half years. We're both Medicare recipients now. <laughs> it just happens, you know. It's going to happen to you one day also. Hey, uh, we drove in on Friday night from uh, Anchorage and saw a skeleton up on a hill that was lit up. It's called your building. Amazing. Can I just tell you, amazing, God has gifted you with faith, and now he's got a building waiting to be filled up that you're going to fill up with your friends and family. Come on, is anybody in the house, you agree with me on that? I only had one problem. Underneath the building, you know, it sits up on that hill. It, I mean, it is like stunning. You can see it from any direction. But underneath that building, there's a sign that says, Wasilla welcomes you. And I think that's a dumb sign. It needs to say, uh, King's Chapel welcomes you to Wasilla. Amen? Because that's the first thing they see when they come into this city. We are so thrilled to be here. Your pastor, your pastors, Pastor Karen, Pastor Daniel, I'm telling you, they are amazing people. By the way, this is normal. You may think they're abnormal. No, this is normal. This is what Christians do. This is what leaders do. They do what this pastor and his, his family and, of course, all the leaders here in this church do. They have faith. They stand uh, in faithfulness, and they love you, and they care about you. This is normal. When we come to Alaska, I mean, we, people say, well, you're going to Alaska? There's a lot of weird people in Alaska. I said, no, they're wild people. They're wild for Jesus. Jeannie and I talk about the life-giving spirit that is in this church I'm telling you, it's unusual. So compliments to you. Let's give God praise for all that today. I love this man and his family, he and Pastor Karen, because they're genuine, they're authentic. I want to be around people like that, that are passionate, that care about other people. And uh, real is a good word, because that's really what they are. And, uh, you know, you can compare and do whatever you want, but can I just tell you, I don't know if you really know how blessed you are. I travel all over the earth now, and I, I speak to thousands upon pastors. I meet thousands of pastors and leaders all over America and around the world. Can I just tell you, this is my favorite place to be right here. We feel like we're at home. Thank you, King's Chapel. Thank you for welcoming us. Why don't you open up your digital devices to Luke chapter 12. We'll jump in there in just a moment. Or your Bibles, if you happen to have a copy of one of those, Luke chapter 12. I want to speak to you this morning on success. How many of you want to be successful? Yeah. Amen. I believe God has put a successful gene on the inside of you, and I believe God wants to do something with this. We're about to enter a new year. We're a few weeks away. And in this message, there are more life-giving nuggets in this message than there are raisins in a box of Raisin Bran. Amen. So you better take you some notes and get ready. Because here's the reality. You will never succeed until you start moving. You've got to start moving in a direction. I know everybody wants success. We all want to be successful in something. I have never met anybody that whenever I ask them, what do you want to do in life? They say, well, I want to grow up to be a failure. I can hardly wait. I've never met anybody that says, I can't wait to get a lot of money and then go bankrupt. Whoa. Everybody I know, that includes you. You want to succeed in life and in ministry and in your family and in your businesses and in your finances and all those kind of things. And 
I believe that God has put a sense of success on the inside of you. And I want you to get this in your heart and in your soul this morning. God plants no yearning in your soul that he does not have a plan to satisfy it. Did you hear what I just said? God has planted a seed on the inside of you. And there is a plan that goes with that seed. And I believe in the heart of every person in this building is something that desires to be successful. And again, I don't know what all that means to you, but I just know that there's something that God has put into you. And success is not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a dream. According to the Bible, everyone can have it. But it does not come accidentally or automatically. It comes to those who prepare for it. It comes to those who will work for it. and will come to those who will believe for it. And sometimes, you know, you have to start from scratch and just keep scratching. Amen? You achieve according to the proportion that you attempt. And too many of us are tempted into believing too little rather than believing in too much. So I just want you to know, I think it takes this... I think it takes actually more work to be unproductive than it does to be productive. I mean, I was working one time in a corporation, and I watched people working in there. And it was like they were working harder at not working than working. And you know, God just wants you to do what he's called you to do. It's pretty simple. This is not hard. It's really easy. And I just want you to know that I have a hard time living a mediocre life. A mediocre life is, is what is. And the reason why it's hard for me to live a mediocre life is because I see what is, but I also see what can be. When I think about the church you're building, I'm seeing what can be. So how can you be mediocre right here when there's something extraordinary waiting for you in a few months? I believe the Lord wants you to begin moving in 2019. Like I said, a few weeks away from a brand new year. It's a chance for you to start moving. It's a chance for you to grab hold of the things that God wants for your life. And you'll never succeed by wandering around. You'll succeed by getting up and moving in the right direction. Now listen to me. God's greatest successes are redeemed failures. Everybody in this sanctuary is a failure or has been a failure. And God redeemed us from that failure of a life so that we could be successful. It is God's plan. It is God's purpose. It is God's will that you rise up to be successful as he called you to be. I want you to get that in your spirit. I'm talking about right now, today. Listen to this in verse 32 of chapter 12 of the book of Luke. Here's what the Lord says. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is God's good pleasure. That means that is his will, that is his directive, that is his desire. He's choosing to do that, and he wants to give to you his kingdom. Do you know what a kingdom is? It's the realm of a king. It's the dominion of the king and all the benefits and all the blessings that go with us. I want you to grab this. This is God's promise to you. He's promising you to be successful. He wants to do this. It's his pleasure to give you the benefits of his kingdom. Come on, that ought to be a good place to shout this morning. You know what it sounds like? That, that sounds like an endorsement to me. In fact, if this were a television commercial, you would hear the voice of God saying, this is God, and I approve of this message. <laughs> you have success by God's permission, and now it's your decision. What are you going to do? What are you going to settle for? Look, God is on our side. 
How can we fail? God is on our side. You know, some people come to church and they just sit in the chairs and they're waiting for chunks of glory to fall out of heaven and just hit them on the head. It doesn't work like that because that's not reality. Success comes when we, we work and we strive and we, and we pray and we believe and we have faith and all those kinds of things. And as long as you're protecting your excuses, success will never come to your lives. Some of you have been protecting your excuses. Well, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. You've been protecting excuses. That's why you're not successful. You know, I remember whenever I was growing up, I played sports, you know. Some of you played sports. Played baseball a lot of years. And I remember uh, I was just probably 10 or 12 years old, whatever it was, playing Little League. And the bases were loaded. We were at the end of the game. We were behind a few runs. And the count was getting full. And I got a hit and won the game. My dad went on and on and on talking about that. And he made such a big deal of it. You know what I said to my dad? I said, well, it was just luck. And he said something that changed my life. He said, did you intend to do it? I said, well, yeah. He said, then it wasn't luck. See, a lot of people think success comes because of luck. You know, he's so lucky or she's so lucky. Look how blessed they are. You know, I heard a guy say one time that he he said, I'm a real believer in luck. He said, I find that the harder I work, the more I have of it. You know, if you intend to do something, It's not luck, it's faith. It means you have an expectation in your heart. And so I believe the Lord wants you to begin preparing for your success. I believe that's what he wants you to do in 2019. Let me read the scripture. This is in Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14. Listen to what Paul the Apostle says. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Watch this. He said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Jesus Christ. You know what Paul is just saying to us? He said, I have not yet attained success. He said, but I'm pressing on. He said, I'm believing that I'm going to have it. He was saying, I'm preparing myself to get it, which means I'm going to work for it. Look, I'm going to leave those things which are behind. That's your past. He said, I'm going to reach forth to things before me. He said, that's the future. And he also says that I'm going to press toward the mark. That's right now. That's some action right now. Paul was claiming that his formula to to success was preparation. You got to prepare. How many of you need to prepare? You need to prepare for what what you're expecting. No one has ever finished something they never started. And by the way, it's never too late to finish something you never started. So why don't you get going? Get moving. Okay, here's the deal. I've got six steps, six things that you need to grab hold if you're going to prepare for your success. If 2019 is going to be the best year of your life, Six things. Are you ready? Number one, if you're going to be successful, you must have surviving power. You've got to have surviving power. How many of you know who Walter Payton is? Anybody know that name? Some of you older guys do. He was the the greatest running back in the NFL. I mean, he was one of the most uh, coveted running backs. I think he set the record for rushing in the NFL. And uh, he accumulated over nine miles of career rushing. Think about that. Nine miles of career rushing, and he did it with somebody knocking him down every 4.6 yards. Walter Payton 
was successful because he had surviving power. He, he, he knew that, uh, that success never comes without being knocked down a few times. Have you found that out about your life yet? I mean, success doesn't come without you getting knocked down over and over and over again. To succeed, you're going to have to have a survival instinct. You've got to have some survival power in your life. That's what God wants. This is what it says in the Bible in Proverbs. It says, a righteous man will fall seven times, but he will do what? He'll rise up. He'll get up. Walter Payton, every time he got knocked down, he would get up and run just as hard as he did before he got knocked down. He had surviving power. He had a survival instinct. I just read about a woman in, in Colorado who, this was I think last year or so, she ran off of a road down into a ravine where there was a, a, a creek or a river, and she got trapped in her car. And I mean, it was, it was cold, it was wet, it was all of those things, and she survived for seven days before rescuers got to her. She would just try to get her head under where water was dripping through a broken window. She found her umbrella. She was able to reach her umbrella, and she wrote SOS on it and stuck it out the window, hoping somebody would find her. They did seven days later and rescued her. It wasn't because she had survival training. It was because she had a survival instinct. That's what you need to have. If you're going to succeed in 2019, if you get knocked down, Get up. The devil's banking on you laying down. He's banking on you giving up. But the Bible tells us that we need to rise up over and over and over again. You know, Walter Payton, I, just, I figured it out the other day. He got up 10,904 times. Some of you can't hardly get up after being knocked down four times. You're just saying, well, I guess it's just not the will of God. I guess it's, the, it's my fate in life. No, God says if you want to be successful, you have to do something. Get up. He says, get up. You need some survival instinct. Jesus said those that endure to the end shall be saved. That means you've got to persevere. You've got to hang in there like a hair in a biscuit, as we say. Isn't that right? Come on now. You've got to hang in there. Survivors are successors. 95% of winning battles is not necessarily knowing what to do. It's showing up. Number one, you've got to have survival power. Number two, you need reviving power. You need surviving power and you need reviving power. God wants to revive you for success. God does not get blessed when you fail. God does not get blessed when you're defeated. He wants to restore life to you so that you can have success. To, to revive. Does anybody know what revive means? Revive means to make life, to give life, to restore life. That's what our Lord is here to do. He's here to make life, give life, and restore life to you. You know what you need to do? You need to turn your scars into stars. I counted all the scars on my hands and arms one day. There were 17. And I remember exactly how, how I got them all over the years. I remember every one of them. But you know what? I turned my scars into stars. I look back at those scars on my hands and everything, and I think, shoot, I'm not hurting anymore. I'm not bleeding anymore. Do I have a memory of the past? Sure I do. But you know what? That's my past. Those are my scars. That's what used to be. I know what's going on right now in my life. I'm turning my scars into stars. It's because I have reviving power. God revives you. He revives your mortal body. That's what he does. Here's what it says in Romans 8, verse 11. He says, but in the spirit, 
But if the spirit of him who raised Christ or Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also, uh, he will, he will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I want you to get this. When life knocks the breath out of you, God will begin to breathe in you. Anybody ever have the breath knocked out of you? Have you ever had that happen? I mean, you're sitting there going, ah, ah, ah. you're just trying to get a breath. Come on, am I right? In football, I remember they would make them lay on the ground, they'd grab their belt, and they'd start pumping them like this. That never worked. That was stupid. But I tell you, when life knocks the wind out of you, there's the wind of God. The mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit that comes and fills you with his life over again. Listen, with God, you can turn scars uh, into stars. You can turn defeats into victory. You can turn failures into successes. From where you are right now, you can get there. I was in Clinton, Louisiana. Anybody ever been to Clinton, Louisiana? Most likely not. One stoplight. Wide spot, actually just a, a crossroad. Clinton, Louisiana. I have a pastor friend that used to live in that area. He told me one time, he said, you know, from Clinton, Louisiana, I can get anywhere in the world. He said, it's the hub of the universe. I laughed. I said, not the hub of the universe. You know, we think New York or someplace like that's the hub of the universe until I begin to think about it. From where he was right there in that little bitty town of Clinton, Louisiana, he could get anywhere in the world. From where you are right now sitting in that chair, you can do anything. You can accomplish anything. Are you with me today? God will turn your defeats into victories. And it's not what happens to you, but it's what happens in you that counts. It's about your attitude. That's why we need surviving power. That's why we need reviving power. You know, some of you say, well, you're negative. You say, well, it'll never work. Well, the Bible says all things work together for good. Look, when we started our church in Denver, you know what? I heard, I bet I heard it a hundred times. They would tell me, they said, well, you can't really be successful here because this is a pastor's graveyard. I said, oh, really? I said, I got resurrection power. Hello, somebody. We've seen a hundred churches come and go since I've been here. You see, my attitude changed because I've got reviving power. I've got the breath of God that fills me when, when the world knocks it out of me. Some of you say, well, I don't have enough. Well, the Bible says, my God shall supply all your needs. So you say, well, I can't do it. Well, the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You say, well, I feel overwhelmed. I don't know how I'm going to survive this. Well, the Bible says I'm more than a conqueror. There are too many obstacles. You say, well, greater is he that is in you. Come on, somebody. You need some reviving power, reviving power to be successful. That's what you need. I love what David said, the king of Israel, Psalm 138, verse 7. He said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. That's number two. Number three, are you ready? I'm trying to tell you how to be successful. Surviving power, reviving power. Number three, you need striving power. Striving. I know a lot of Christians say, well, we shouldn't strive. We sh it should just be peace and flow. No, the Bible says, Jesus said, you need to strive if you're going to get in the gate. Let me read it to you in Luke 13, verse 24. Jesus said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For I say unto you that many will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Look, if you're going to have success, you've got to strive. That means you need to struggle. Struggle. 
You know what the word strive is? In the Greek, it's the word agonizomai. It's where we get our word agony. See, that's the problem with us, Pastor. We don't want any agony. We don't want it to cost anything. That's why we, 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 we seek to enter in. But Jesus said you have to strive to enter in. That means to compete for the prize. That means to contend with the adversary. The prize is not handed to you. Rewards are not given out till you finish the race. I'm telling you, we've got to do something. We've got to move. We've got to prepare. We have to work. We've got to pray. We have to have faith. That building is not going to get built, get built on that hill by just sitting around talking about it. We have to have striving power. Jesus said to seek. He said there are those that seek, but there are those that strive to get in. You know, let me see if I can give you a, maybe a better illustration. Let me ask you a question. If there are five blackbirds sitting on a limb and three decide to fly away, how many do you have left? You have five. Just because you decide to do something doesn't mean you're going to do it. Just because you think about it doesn't mean you're going to do it. Isn't that right? See, striving, there's a difference between seeking and striving. The word seek means to think about it. Some of you have been thinking about succeeding. God is saying, I want you to strive, which means your vein needs to pop out on your neck as you're you're reaching toward that finish line. You know, some people lean into the finish line. Some people lean back. Which one are you? Which one are you? Striving power will lead to succeeding power. When I went to college back in the olden days when they had, where they just had electricity, they just got it, and that's what it seemed like. It's been nearly 50 years. That's hard to believe, isn't it? And um, when I went to college, my, I was a good student in high school, but when I got to college, I, just, I didn't know how to study. My first semester grade point was 1.9. It was a wake-up call. Because if I didn't have a 2.0 average at the end of the second semester, they kicked me out of college. I went from being a seeker to a striver. I didn't just think about trying to make a better grade. I was striving with my vein popping out of my neck. And every semester after that, all the way through college, every single semester, my grade point went up until I made the dean's list. And then when I went to Bible college many years later, I decided, you know what? It's the most incredible calling in the world. I'm making straight A's. I'm not making one B. I never did. It's because there was an agony. There was a striving on my part because you cannot be successful unless you strive. Like I said, you got to lean into the tape. That's how people win races. God wants you to begin leaning in. Number four, you have to have diving power. Diving power. Our, our greatest failure to success is that we don't have any diving power. We don't go deep enough. And I can't help but think of Peter who, he and his friends, they were fishing all night long. Do you remember the story, Luke 5? Fishing all night long. I mean, they're worn out. And Jesus says, he says, hey, push out into the deep and drop your nets. Peter said, Jesus, you're a carpenter. We're fishermen. We know when to catch fish. It's not the time to catch fish. I mean, he was really resistant to it. He was resistant to success. Until he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. I'll just do what you've asked me to do. I'll go and do it. And so they pushed out into the deep, dropped their nets. You know the story. Fish began to fill those nets up so much that they were breaking. And I'm telling you, you talk about a financial windfall. That day they paid all their boats off and got out of debt because they went deeper. 
They went deeper. The word deep means depth or mystery. Sometimes it takes faith to step into the mysterious unknown area. You know, building this building, I'm telling you, that's a big step. That's a deep step is what it is. I know I've been there. It's scary when you start looking at how the size of it. You're saying, whoa, thing's big. I mean, the bathrooms there are bigger than this room right here. <laughs> or so it seems. You need to find a goal, a big one, and go for it. Dive deep. I'm encouraging you to dive deep. Let your nets down. Quit diving in the shallow end of the pool. You know, when you dive in the shallow end of the pool, all you do is hit your head on the bottom. Isn't that right? Some of you have been hitting your head on the bottom for a long time. You know what that tells me? That tells me you're in the shallow end. You need to get in the deep end. I remember reading in the book of Numbers about Israel. They needed water. They were in the desert. And uh, the elders got together, and they decided they were going to dig in that desert with their staves. They were going to dig a well. You can go read it in the book of Numbers. They dug a well with their staves. Have you ever tried to dig a hole with a stick in the sand? Have you ever done that? You're not going very deep, are you? They got just barely enough water to survive. But if they had dug deep, they would have had the enriching, life-giving wellspring that would have satisfied their soul. Some of you have been satisfied with scratching in the dirt with a stick. When God is telling you to go deeper, you need some diving power. I said some diving power. Diving power. How do you go deeper? You take a risk. Risk is what it takes. That's how you go deeper. Let me go to number five. You must have driving power. The road to success is dotted with a lot of parking spots along the way. You know what our temptation is? Is to pull in and just park. Because it's hard. It's difficult. The journey is long. And if you've pulled over and if you've parked, you're not going to succeed. You need driving power. A reward is what will drive you. I mean, here's what it says, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, you know the verse, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The word please, get this, the word please there in the Greek means to agree with. How can you have faith unless you agree with God? How can you please God unless you agree with Him? you got to have something that drives you to agree with God, drives you to have faith. You've got to agree with what God believes about your life, about your family, about your finances. kind of reminds me of David when he was a young boy. He was, came into the camp, and, and Goliath rises up. And he says, what should, be for, what should be done for the man who kills him? And they said, oh, well, you get, the, you get the king's daughter in marriage. You get to live tax-free for the rest of your life. Come on, somebody. You get that big mansion that's over there by the king's place. And all the stuff and all the, all, all the things of prestige and the honor that goes with it. And David said, shoot, is there not a cause? You need to have a cause. You need to have something that drives you. And if you don't have a goal that rewards you, then why are you bothering? You'll never be successful. God rewards people that are driven. You need a driving power to seek. Jesus said, seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given to you. Knock and it shall be opened to you. That sounds like a command from God, doesn't it? Seekers are usually successful. Like the man who found a treasure in a field. He sold all that he had to go buy the field. You have to be driven. Reward ought to drive you to something. 
in 19, I think it was 1979, 1980, I had the chance to start a State Farm insurance agency. That was a big deal because there were people that were willing to give up their 30-year careers at Allstate to go work for State Farm because they made the most money. The average State Farm agent back in those days made a quarter million dollars. I mean, that's big money in today's dollars. In Louisiana, that's big money. So they gave me the chance to open up an agency. I mean, I was going to make a lot of money. The first, the first month, they said, if you sell so much life insurance, you win a gold watch. I thought, well, how, how timely? I just started. I'd give me a gold watch. Well, the first month, I exceeded what they said I ought to do, and I got a gold watch. I want a gold watch. Something was driving me. And by the way, I never wore that watch one day, not one day. It's in a drawer someplace or in a box in my house. Never worn it. But there was something that drove me for the reward. If there was not a reward, I would have never been driven. Come on, are you here this morning? You need something that will drive you forward, something that will drive you to, to seek that reward. I've been told that I'm a driven man. They said that to me as an insult. It was not a compliment. They said it in a very derogatory way. And uh, I took it as a compliment, personally. But uh, they didn't offer it as a compliment. But... I think anything that drives you to success is never an insult. And most are driven back because they don't have anything in their heart that's driving them forward. That's why you're driven back. That's why I'm saying you need something big in your spirit about your life, about your family. What kind of reward do you want? What's driving you? We ought to be a driven people, not seeking for second best, but seeking for the very best. You should be exceeding what you've been doing. Did you hear what I just said? You need to be exceeding what you've been doing. Okay, number six, I've got to hurry. We must have arriving power. You need to believe in your heart that you're going to arrive. Arnold Schwarzenegger has made a lot of movies in his time, but he only had one thing that he said that everybody remembers. I'll be back. Isn't that right? By the way, he stole that from Jesus because Jesus said, I'll be back. Isn't that right? What he's telling you that you can bank on is that I'm coming back. I'm going to arrive. That's what Jesus is telling us. You need to have some arriving power. You need to find a goal and then figure out how to get there. Those prepared to succeed will succeed. Not handed to you. You've got to arrive at all costs. Don't be alarmed at the small successes that lead to bigger things. A lot of people give up because they're only small steps. As we always say, it's a, it's a cinch by the inch. We started with one lady. I could have given up. Except three weeks later, her husband came, and I thought, whoo, we just doubled in size. Come on, somebody. How can I quit now? It's like Dennis the Menace. Anybody remember Dennis the Menace, the cartoon? He comes home with a horseshoe in his hand, and his dad said, what's that? He said, that's a horseshoe. If I get three more, I get the horse. You know what he was saying? He said, I'm going to arrive. I'm going to get there. It's like the homeless man. Somebody saw this homeless man, and he had one shoe, and the man asked, he said, did you lose a shoe? He said, no, I found one. You know, I like that attitude, by the way. In his mind, he's saying, I'm going to get another shoe eventually. I'm going to arrive at some point in time. Once you get a victory in your spirit, once you get a victory under your belt, it causes you to think a little bigger. That's what it does for me. The more you do, the more you see. And the more you do, uh, the more God will give you. That's why Abraham said, "Don't." when God spoke to Abraham, he said as he looked out over the land after, after Lot left him in Sodom and Gomorrah, 
God says, look out across the land, north, south, and east, and west. Everything that you see, I'll give to you. How far are you looking? Some of you are just looking right here. Some of you are so narrow-minded, you can look through a keyhole with both eyes. That's pretty bad, isn't it? I know, you just wrote that down, I can tell. Uh-huh. All right, let me close with this. Luke 8, verse 22. Now, it happened on a certain day. It means an ordinary day, an average day. It happened on a certain day that Jesus got in the boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. You know what he was saying? He said, we're going to arrive. We're going to get there. They launched out, but as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water. They were in jeopardy. They came to him and awoke him and said, Master, don't you care? We're going to die. We're going to drown. Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, he said, where's your faith? They were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite of, of uh, Galilee. Jesus said, we're going to go over. We're going to arrive. You know, every time you launch out to be successful, it seems like a storm always rises up, doesn't it? Always has with me. But you know what? Jesus said, where is your faith? He says, we're going to go over to the other side, verse 26, and they arrived. You know the reason why? Because Jesus woke up, he rose up, and he spoke up. You know, if you want to arrive, why don't you wake up, rise up, why don't you start speaking up? Quit letting the devil tell you that you're not going to arrive. Make up your mind. There's some people here today, you're struggling, just trying to survive. You're in survival mode. Is that you? How many, how many of you need some surviving power? Just your, I see some hands. Some of you are struggling with your breath. You've been, the, the wind has been knocked out of you. You've lost your, your breath. You're out of breath. You need the reviving breath of God. You need to come breathe into your soul one more time. How many of you are struggling? You just need a breath of God in your life. Let me see your hand. I want to pray for you. See, it's not just surviving and reviving, but some of you are you're wanting to give up. and You've quit striving. You've quit pressing in. There's a price for striving, and there's an agony that goes with it. But some of you are giving up. Don't give up. How many of you need God to help you with that area, to strive and take one more step? Just lift your hand and say, that's me. What about those that are here this morning and some of you, uh, you know, you've, you've been in the shallow end of life, you've, been, you've not gone deep, you've been, you've been scratching in the dirt trying to find a miracle. That's not where the miracle is found. It's in the deep where God will bless your life. It's time for you to go deeper with Him in 2019. Come on, is that you? Slip your hand up. Some of you need driving power. Some of you need arriving power. Father, in this sanctuary, people who lifted their hands are saying, that's me. Lord, I need arriving power. I need driving power. I need diving power. I need to go deeper. Lord, I need surviving power. I need you to breathe life into me. I feel like life has knocked the wind out of me. Lord, I'm praying that you'll breathe by your 
spirit back into my soul, back into my life, and revive me once again, Lord Jesus, that I would have fire, there would be passion, there would be enthusiasm, Lord God, there would be a desire to follow you and to chase after you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, 2019 is going to be my year. 2019 is I'm going to rise up, Lord God. Defeat is no longer going to defeat me. Lord, failure is no longer going to be there. Lord, success is going to be part of my life and my family and my business and my finances. Lord, in relationships, in the ministry that you've given me. Lord, in serving in this house. Lord God, I know that success is part of my future because you planned it. You ordained it. I thank you for it now, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you believe you're going to be successful in 2019? Come on. Amen. Let me, let me just share this before I turn the microphone back over to Pastor Daniel. I was in Brazil last November flying from uh, the northeast part of Brazil down through Recife, then down to Sao Paulo to do a conference. So we had to stop there to pick up some passengers. We are in a turboprop plane. Pastor Larry Stockstill was with me. We were sitting there. And uh, as they were getting ready to board some new passengers, the pilot was outside spinning the props, about a six-bladed prop uh, uh, on this plane. And he was running his hand over the edge, the front edge of that prop. Pastor Larry said, what's that man doing? I said, well, that's the pilot. I said, he's looking for gashes and nicks or pieces that are missing out of that blade. He said, what for? I said, because if something's missing and it starts to spin, it's out of balance. And as the faster it goes, the more it will shake. And eventually the engine will shake off and the wing will fall off and we'll crash and die. He said, whoa. And the Holy Spirit says, that's what I'm trying to do with my people. He said, I'm running my hand over the soul of their life. Looking for something that's missing. That I know that if they continue to run fast or run hard, they're out of balance. They're going to fall off. They're going to crash. They're going to burn. Holy Spirit's in this house right now. And He's running His hand over the, over the front of your soul. If you have something missing in your life because of sin or failure or a mistake you've made, you're not going to be able to run in this life without crashing and burning. But the Spirit wants to heal you and touch you. Are you the person? Are you the person? Bow your heads for just a moment. No time to call you forward. Just time for you to respond. If you have something missing in your life right now and you need Jesus to heal you, would you slip your hand up? Come on, all over the sanctuary. Lift your hand. That's you. Maybe you need to come to Christ for the very first time. Invite him into your heart because you know your life's a mess. You already know you're out of balance. You've been trying to run and go as fast as you can, but you're not, you're not getting anywhere. You just crash and burn every time. He is here to heal your soul. He's here to repair everything that's damaged in your life. I see your hands. Father, you see their hands. And in this precious day you've given us, Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you would just begin to heal and repair every gash, every nick, everything, Lord God, that we've done that has kept us from flying, that, keep us, that has kept us from being in balance. Lord, that has caused us to crash and burn. Lord, there are people here that lifted their hand that need to come to you and invite you into their heart. And that's what we're doing right now. Lord, I'm a mess. I need a Savior. And I call on you right now to heal my soul that I can run in this life and I can serve you with all of my heart that I'll soar and not crash. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord one more offering of praise. Isn't he good? Wow.
Ushers, would you help us out? We're going to go ahead and give into the ministry of Mike and Jenny Ware. You know, as I'm sitting on the front row, I, I came into this church almost 30 years ago. Started doing the math on it. And, uh, about 28 years. Uh, when I came into the church, I didn't know any. I still don't know all that much, but, but I'm growing. I'm, I'm thankful. What, what I'm trying to say is when I came into the church, I didn't know how to walk in victory. I didn't, know how to, I didn't know how to balance my checkbook or brush my teeth. I'm just telling you. I certainly couldn't chew gum and walk at the same time. I was a broken, broken young man. And it's messages like this where all of a sudden something got in the city of my soul when I realized, man, I, I can do something. I'm not going to be a loser. I knew I was a loser, and that's why I was one. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And I thought myself to be just in the backyard, scratching dirt and eating worms because of my past. Messages like this began to breathe life into me. I, I sense a turnaround in many hearts today. That, that those of you who have been like just wallowing in, in the muck and the mire are beginning to realize that, that God's for you, so who can be against you? That you can make it. You can not only make it, you can do something amazing that God's power on the inside of you. Come on. Reviving power, striving power, driving power, diving power. Come on. That you can make it. That you can not only make it, you can be used by God to change the world in which we live. God has hand-selected you and chosen you, John 15, and appointed you to bear forth fruit. That was a great word. If you'll take it, I'm, this is the second time. I might lose my mind on the third one. Well, that's the second time I heard that. I, I blew my phone up taking notes. Chew this stuff. Take it home. Don't just listen to it like it's a cute little TED talk. Take it home and apply it to your life, and you too will walk in victory. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. That was a great word. Ushers, would you come? Let's give. You pray and ask the Lord what you should do. Come on, if you get two numbers, the low ones from the devil, hallelujah. Let's pray. You ready? Father, thank you so much for the where. Thank you for the, 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 the statesman, world-changing anointing of excellence and integrity. Thank you as they've come and poured in over these years to us. Lord, that there's fruit here because of what they've done. And today, God, I sense that you have really put a wonderful building block into our family here. God, thank you for these six steps. Thank you for their life and the legacy. Thank you for the church victory in Denver. Thank you for their son and their grandchildren, Lord, and their children. Lord, bless them. Use them mightily, God, into 2019 and beyond. Thank you so much for the word of the Lord. We receive it with joy in the good soil of our hearts. May it be activated and bring forth a hundredfold. In fact, may this offering bring forth a hundredfold to them and to us as well. In the name of Jesus, amen. Ushers, go ahead. I know breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle. Here. 
more structured because we just have to get more and more people in. Tonight's just one service at 6 o'clock. Don't you miss it. Bring your family. Invite people. There will be miracles, signs, wonders. Why? Because the Word of God is preached here, and we believe that. It's going to be breakthrough tonight, healing tonight. You come. It's going to start at 6 o'clock. Doors will open at about 5.30. You come and be a part of that. Wow. Come on. Put your hands together for what God did again. Let me bless you. Come on. Lift your hands all across this place, and let me proclaim the blessing of God over you. Father, thank you. For what you've done today, that your word came and ran swiftly and entered in with light and power. We receive it. And I pray now as we leave this place that you would bless your people. That you would cause your face to shine upon us, oh God. That you'd lift up your countenance towards us, Lord. You'd be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Don't forget Wednesday night. Dr. James Morocco, we love you.